Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Michael Cremo, one of his books, of course, The Forbidden Archaeologist. Books are all available through his website, Amazon. Just go check it to check them out. Michael, about a month ago, the government released its report on uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, and it didn't really say too much. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're absolutely right about that. It, there was so much hype. Yeah, everyone was expecting something more than I think actually happened. All, all, all they essentially said is what they've always been saying. Yeah, there are unidentified aerial phenomena, but uh, yeah, they're not ready to say these things are, are made by intelligent beings from other planets. Uh, it seems the most they're willing to say is, well, yes, there are some things we can't explain at the present moment, but uh, we think we will be able to explain them. And yeah, they may be aerial phenomena, you know, weather phenomena, you know, something like that, or perhaps technological uh, developments made by other countries like China and North Korea or Russia, for example, or perhaps different agencies of our own government have have these technologies that they have developed. That, that's basically what they said. And there may be some things that we can't explain at the present moment, but uh, the explanations are most likely to be uh, the ones I just listed. Yep, absolutely. So, and were you, were you disappointed in the report? Uh, I kind of expected it in advance for for it to uh, be pretty much what it was. I think uh, I may have even said so on some interviews that I did in the months leading up to to the release. So I wasn't very surprised. Now, as far as I'm concerned. There are UFOs that come from other planets, other dimensions. I I think they're they they do exist, and you know, there may be some scientists, a few of them, that are prepared to admit that. You know, for example, there was this uh, Professor Loeb, Avi Loeb, from Harvard University, yes. the astronomy department there, a couple of years ago, yeah, when this object flew by the Earth called the, I think it's called the Oumuamua. Uh, Oumuamua, whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah he said that, that could very likely be a, a probe from another planet in another solar system. Uh, not our own, uh, that entered our solar system and is being propelled by uh, solar winds. And, you know, so there are some few scientists who are prepared to admit these things. But uh, I think uh, this most recent report, although it's good in the sense that they uh, acknowledge that some of these unidentified aerial phenomena were recorded by military pilots That's right. did show up on radar. Uh, yeah, they did make some interesting 
admissions, but as far as what they actually are, uh, I, I, I don't think that uh, any expectations that they were going to say these are extraterrestrial objects made by some extraterrestrial intelligence, I, I, I don't think that if anybody was expecting that, it, it didn't happen. Michael, before the break, when you were talking about the ancient Sanskrits, didn't Robert Oppenheimer, the father of our atomic bomb, use those Sanskrits to prove to himself that there was an atomic bomb detonated way gone back? Uh, it appears that way. And in addition to being a great physicist who was part of the American program to develop an atomic bomb during World War II, in addition to being a, a physicist, he was a student of, of the ancient Sanskrit writings of India. And when the first atomic bomb, well, supposedly the first, uh, the first atomic bomb was tested at Alamogordo in New Mexico in 1945, he was in the bunker when it was set off. And there was this huge flash of light and huge blast and you know he 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 began quoting some sanskrit verses from a, a text called the bhagavad gita and yeah we compared this to the light of a million suns they, they were describing a, a weapon that you know these ancient sanskrit writings describe a weapon that was used in ancient times called the brahmastra and in uh, the Puranas and the Bhagavad Gita, you know, there, there are verses that say when such a thing happens, it's like you have a million suns all at one place. You know, the, so you can imagine the power of a million suns. That sort of sounds like pretty much what happens when an atomic bomb is set off. So... Yeah, he, he he was interested in that. Uh, and actually, I've got a, a, an offer on my website. Anybody gets uh, my most recent book, My Science, My Religion, from my website, mcrema.com, will be able to get, get a free copy of Bhagavad Gita. And you still there, Michael? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought maybe I lost you. Let me ask you this. What is what is called a science term epistemology? Well, that's the branch of philosophy that tells us how we know what we think we know. So uh, it's, it's really a foundational issue in science. How... How do we get knowledge? What's evidence? What's not evidence? That's the whole branch of uh, science and philosophy that deals with that question. And part of that has to do with what actually exists. Now, many scientists today are committed to a an epistemology that recognizes only the existence of gross physical matter. They're not prepared to accept the existence of consciousness as something that can exist apart from 
matter. So if uh, they start out with that assumption, it kind of limits the kinds of explanations they can offer for things. And they're having a, a, a big problem accounting for the existence of consciousness in that way. They keep trying to show that it's just the result of chemical interactions in the brain, but they've never been able to demonstrate that, actually. So it's uh, something that you know, we have to be aware of, you know, that if we have certain preconceptions about what the limits of evidence are, then, then uh, we can't really say we're considering all the possibilities. Michael Cremo with us, the Forbidden Archaeologist. We're going to take calls next hour with Michael, so make sure you're part of the program on that. What would you say is one of the most compelling cases from Forbidden Archaeology that you really just think this is it? Well, I think one of the really compelling cases is the discoveries that were made in the Red Crag Formation in England, on the east coast of England. Uh, these discoveries were made in the 1920s by a researcher named James Reed Moore, Moir, M-O-I-R. Uh, he, he was uh, an investigator who did research in the Red Crag Formation, which according to modern geologists is about 2 million years old. And there had been some previous discoveries in this formation at a place called Foxhall in Eastern England. Uh, for example, uh, a human jawbone was found in the Red Crag at Foxhall. Uh, 16 feet deep in the Red Crag formation. And as I said, you know, scientists today think that formation is about 2 million years old and maybe even older. So to have humans existing uh, 2 million years ago completely contradicts the now dominant, dominant theories. And you know, it's kind of interesting. J. Reed Moore had also discovered uh, all kinds of stone tools and artifacts in, in that, those formations. And an international commission of scientists, of the leading archaeologists and geologists of Europe, gathered together to judge this case. And they concluded it was genuine, you know, that these discoveries made by J. Reed Moore are uh, genuine discoveries, but it sort of got swept under the rug you know, by this process of, of knowledge filtration so that you know, these discoveries aren't really mentioned anymore. So uh, that, that I found to be quite a, a significant case because it's very well documented. In your opinion, where does this take us in the future with regards to a civilization or civilizations that were much older than what most people think? What do you think happened to them, Michael? Where'd they go? 
Very interesting question. And the where it leads, I believe, is that it leads to an understanding that there's a cyclical aspect to time. You know, Western science is, was basically based on linear time, which comes out of the Judeo-Christian cosmology. Uh, basically, they had a, a picture in that cosmology where things happen in a linear fashion. God creates the universe, then God creates the first living things, the plants, and then the animals, and then the human beings, and the human beings are in a fallen state, so they have to be delivered. Uh, so a Messiah comes to deliver them, and then there's a final judgment, and then it's all over. And it just happens once, and it happens in that very linear way. So modern science basically accepted it because it, it grew up in Europe at a time when it was uh, under uh, this Judeo-Christian cosmology, and they more or less just adopted the same story, but stripped God and the soul out of it so that they have, yeah, the universe pops into existence by the Big Bang, not that God creates it, it just happens. And then... Uh, Which I still don't plan. understand, by the way. The Big Bang, I just will never get. Yeah. That, that's a whole different question. Forbidden. Yeah, that's two, that's two shows all by itself. Yeah, that, that, that could be a show all by itself. So uh, basically, they, and then, you know, first the plants come, then the animals, then the human beings and they're in a fallen state, and they're going to be saved by science, and then it's going to be all over, you know, the heat death of the universe. And you know, it's basically the same story. But in, in, in other cultures, there's the idea of cyclical time, that things happen again and again and again. You know, it's like... Yeah, and Plato's work, the Timaeus, is one of the dialogues of Plato. Uh, he talks about the Greek uh, politician uh, Solon, who went to Egypt and was talking to the Egyptian priest about the history of Greece. And he was explaining how, yeah, in the beginning, there was uh, a first man and first woman, and and then civilization arose. And the Egyptian priest told them, "You just got part of your history. Here in Egypt, we have records of your history, going back far before you. You've just you're just recording what happened after the last devastation." Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.